One of the things that I love to talk about is how to get to a place where ideal clients are finding their way to you. I remember early on in my business doing all the things, cold calls, events at my church. I remember tagging along with a mentor and just taking her leftover scraps. That eventually evolved into workshops and more sophisticated marketing. And then ultimately that evolved into our white glove referral events, which I will tell you about someday, you guys, to eventually just getting referrals. But it took time for me. It was a process that I had to test. I had to tweak. I had to refine over years and years and years. And the, let's be honest, the environment now is so different than when I started my business back in 2004. I often get asked in interviews, you know, if you had to start your business over knowing what you know, now, what would you do differently? And there's a, a very long answer to this question. I would do a lot of things differently. I made tons of mistakes. I did lots of things well, um, but there are so many things that I've learned. However, there's really two things that pop into mind when it comes to starting a business over. Frankly, I would buy a business. I would buy and I would acquire businesses. And I know that's not for everybody. And I would build a personal brand. So how would you build a personal brand? You say, well, instead of me just telling you how I would do it, I'd like to introduce you to my guest today, Benjamin Brand. Ben is doing it. So I met Ben when I was speaking at an XYPN pre-con. Um, and we, the, a bunch of us speakers kind of met up in the lobby and we were having lunch and that ultimately turned into us being in some sort of like little huddle room with whiteboards. And we were just sharing business ideas. And Ben was sharing how he had too many prospects coming in from his podcast that he was overwhelmed and needed, you know, and was trying to work through some of that. So I was like, oh, wow, that's a really interesting thing. Like you have so, and he was sharing in the numbers, you guys were insane. So if it were me doing it now, I would take to the good old World Wide web and I would utilize it as a tool, sort of like I'm doing with the efficient advisor, right? So same rules still apply just a little differently. So my podcast is for advisors. So I, you know, I'm speaking to financial advisors. So, you know, me, I like to get as specific as humanly possible. So while what I'm doing is super relevant to people growing their business, growing mine, I want to bring in an advisor who has actually done it, who has been there in the trenches and met clients through a podcast. So whether or not you're interested in your own podcast or something else, this episode is still for you. I get DM'd all the time um, or messages in the efficient advisor community about Oh, should I start a podcast? That sounds kind of cool. Um, but whether you're interested in podcasting or blogging or starting a YouTube channel, all of the things that Ben and I talk about in this episode are applicable. So even if a podcast is your worst nightmare and it's never even crossed your mind, this is still a great episode. So today we're going to learn how Ben turned on a microphone and turned that into a crazy stream of prospects. Look, I know you're here because you know it's possible to have an abundance of energy left over for your family at the end of the day and at the end of the week and still have a dream business. It's not one or the other. And you know the business I'm talking about, the one that you are running instead of it running you. And if you're new to The Efficient Advisor, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Libby Grywe, and I started Built and Sold by 37 
a 100% referral-only planning practice that I grew to seven figures as a solo advisor, all while working just three days a week and taking off 14 weeks a year. I'm here to walk alongside you and to show you how to do exactly the same and to help you take immediate actions on the most important strategies for scaling, organizing, and creating less stress and overwhelm in your business. That is my favorite thing and my area of expertise is helping you build a simple client service model that you can execute consistently to create more simple systems and processes to reduce complexity, again, to make it easier to delegate and to repeat consistently, and to help you build a simple team with the right people in the right roles with the right vision and the right culture. So step aside exhaustion and move over Advisor ADD. It is time to take that one right next step to build a business and a life that you love. And before we dive into this episode with Ben, I just want to share with you, if you remember back to episode number 40, tax returns and what to actually do with them to add value to clients, my guest Stephen Jarvis mentioned that he had a 37 point tax checklist that he would run clients through. And it's built for advisors to look for areas of opportunity, ways to add value to clients, even for clients with your basic old W-2. I know for me, when we started doing more tax planning inside of our practice, it's when it really helped us differentiate ourselves. And I can remember in the beginning, looking for, you know, like looking at these like basic W-2 tax returns going, hmm. I want to look for areas of opportunity for these people, and I can maybe only think of like five or six things. So Stephen mentioned this 37-point checklist on our episode, and people were emailing me like crazy going, can I get it? Can I get it? And at the time, you had to be part of his um, retirement tax service program, which Ben is also involved in, which is why this is all related. (laughs) Um, But Stephen has made the 37-point checklist available for literally 37 bucks. So I've got the link in the show notes for you guys. And if you um, if you go ahead and buy it, forward me your receipt at efficientadvisor at gmail.com, and I will send you the 15-point tax return checklist that we used in my own advisory business that actually has a couple of different things on there that Stevens didn't have. So consider it your, I don't know, 43-point checklist. Anyways, let's dive into this interview. Okay, Ben, I'm super excited to have you here. So to provide some context for people listening, um, when we were at XYPN with the Perfect RIA and you and I were speaking for the pre-con, we were just hanging out in the hotel lobby. I think we were waiting for our rooms to be ready. And then we ended up in some sort of small room and somehow got into a conversation about KPIs and metrics in business and what struck me by something that you said. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, you started a podcast and now it is the main feeder for your business and just the numbers you were throwing out and the success of the podcast was really, really interesting and striking to me. And I get, oh my gosh, I get people all of the time going, I think I should start a podcast for my financial planning business. Um, and so obviously I never did a podcast for my planning business. I obviously do a podcast now and can speak to systems and processes on how to streamline it. But I, I thought it would be just a super interesting conversation for us to have for those advisors that are thinking like, okay, like how does this really work? Does it actually drive business? Is it just a nice thing? Is it just an SEO thing? Like, is it just a cool little extra or like literally can a podcast become the crux of my prospecting? So thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah. Okay. So just share a little bit of your journey as a financial planner. Okay. Yeah. So I became a financial advisor. It was my first real job out of the military. Um, so I became a financial advisor. I was an intern with like an insurance-based uh, broker-dealer company. And then they hired me and I worked with them for like seven, eight years, something like that. Uh, and then I, I I decided I wanted to focus on retirement planning and go fee-only. I figured that was the fee-only future was kind of the wave of the future. Uh, and I'm here in Bismarck, North Dakota. So there were no RIAs or anything at the time. In fact, we started the first ever RIA in North Dakota in 2014 on my 33rd birthday. Um, and I knew that I wanted to be on the internet. I knew that I needed to be found elsewhere from Bismarck, North Dakota. As, as wonderful as Bismarck is, you know, there's like 70,000 people, right? It's You'd have to be abroad generalist to have some good success. And I wanted to be, you know, very thinly focused with a niche. So I knew I needed to be on the internet in some way. And so I started a blog. And after about three months of attempting to write an article about Roth IRAs with like my C minus, you know, grammar and penmanship, I thought this is, I can barely read. Why am I, why am I tricking myself into thinking I'm a blogger? But at that time I was subscribed to like 30 different podcasts. I was like, let me try this podcasting thing out. And I took, I bought a course on podcast, I bought, bought a course on blogging. And I said, I'm going to use this, all these lessons from blogging, and I'm going to use it in the podcasting world. And so I started to, to try to rank for really good podcasting terms like retirement podcast. And fast forward uh, six, seven years later, here I am as a success. I love it. So for people listening, tell us about kind of your journey um, for, for podcasting. So when you, I have a lot of technical questions that I think people will be interested in. But tell us a little bit about what it looked like when you first started and how long did it really take to get traction? Like, let's talk about the work, the number of episodes, the number of downloads, the mental and emotional frustration of nobody listening to all of a sudden too many people listening that you needed to actually hire help to handle all of the referrals. Like, give me your podcasting journey in a nutshell. Oh boy. So my first, my first many, many episodes were so brutal. So I, I, every once in a while, I'll have our, our producers knock off like 50 episodes because Secure Act 2.0 or 10.0 or whatever we're on now, you know, will drop. And so it's a bunch of the old stuff is not good info anymore. So we'll have them knock off old episodes, but I still have access, you know, for compliance purposes and keep it around. So I'll go back and I'll list episode number one. And I was sitting at my kitchen counter, terrible acoustics, didn't know anything about that kind of stuff, uh, echo, things like that. And uh, I read aloud from a legal pad where I had handwritten 20 minutes worth of content. And I was you know, doing it in hushed tones because the kids were, you know, asleep or something. So like, I was worried someone was going to like sneak in and like, Hey, I've caught you podcasting or something like that. And, and if you listen carefully, you can hear me turning the pages in my legal pad as I read aloud my penmanship. <laughs> I mean, it was the worst, like, like you, you couldn't script a worse listener experience, but I didn't know what I was doing. And luckily no one was listening, right? I always say, uh, there's only two people that listen, your mom and your sister and your sister's lying about it. So it was really only just your mom listening anyway. So she knows what I sound like. Uh, and I did that for a long time. Then I upgraded uh, to the closet recording. I figured that yes. the kitchen counter was terrible for audio. And so I got into the closet, did that for a long time. Then my kids started playing hockey. Uh, so I bought a portable set. And, and up until just last year, essentially every episode was recorded inside of my car, uh, outside my kids' hockey games. It's weird to press record and know that 10,000 people are going to listen to you talk, uh, you know, outside of uh, the, you know, the VFW sports arena uh, in Bismarck. Uh, it's not live, of course, so you can edit things out. But if an ambulance goes by, it's like, well, let's rewind, you know. But, uh, so that's kind of my journey. Now I have like a real grown up setup in my office. I don't record at home or, or in the car anymore. And 
Yeah, it's like I'm a real life uh, grown up. Okay, so when you started. Um, and you were using a legal pad and I am totally guilty of the same thing. I used it when I, back when the efficient advisor was a video show, like circa 2016, same thing. I would like write it out like a straight script. I'm sure people listening now are like, we clearly can tell you don't script because <laughs> sometimes you go on some very unusual tangents. Um, but yeah, same thing. Like I would read it line by line and then I'd go back and overanalyze everything. So I love that you share how garbage it was in the beginning, because the first is always going to be the worst. And just like anything else in life, we get, we get better and better over time. So, okay. So when you started the podcast, how did you get people to listen? Like, how did you start accumulating more than just your mom and your, and that dirty liar of a sister of yours? Well, I knew I needed to, to use so, so there's a saying that says, do you want to copy excellence or reinvent mediocrity? And so I knew that uh, I knew that there was people that had been found on the internet. There's blogging had been around for a very long time. And so I, I figured that podcasting and blogging are very similar. And what worked for blogging is likely going to work for podcasting. So I would, I would use things like I, I ranked for North Dakota financial advisor before I, I kind of realized that that was not the direction that I wanted to go. I wanted to be more of a, a, a niche advisor. And I would look at things like what other business podcasts or personal finance podcasts are out there and what are they targeting with their thumbnail or what are they targeting with their titles or, you know, how are they structuring the underlying blog post, also known as show notes, uh, to get listeners. And so I, I just use those SEO tools to find out what are people searching for uh, and what terms could I rank for myself. And then how can I sort of craft content around that? So um, I never really shared it on social media. I don't really have much of a social media following. Um, didn't really have an email newsletter at the time, but I just I just treated it like a blog and just kept repeating, repeating, repeating. And and uh, I would also when I was when I would get mentioned in media, I would also backlink. That was the media backlinking was probably an important part. Whereas if most people get mentioned in the media, they would say Benjamin Brandt, uh, president of Capital City Wealth Management, right? That, that's usually a, squandering an opportunity. You want to say Benjamin Brandt, host of Retirement Starts Today podcast, because then you could potentially capture them as a lead if they listen to your podcast. Just going right for the, the kill, right for the click on my website and book an appointment with me, nobody's going to do that. Uh, so it, it just gives you a second bite at the apple if, if you if you try it that way. So th those are kind of the some of the main things that really started to give me some traction starting out. Okay. So you actually really focused on SEO. And then for, for people listening that are like, well, what's a backlink? A backlink is anytime your website or something is listed in a linkable format, it helps you rank on Google. So when people type in financial advising coach, anytime I'm on a podcast or write an article for somewhere, you're going to backlink and that helps you rank better for just, so I just, I know I'll get people going, what's a backlink. Um, okay. So you focused on really the SEO. So were you asking clients to listen? Were like, were you like telling anybody and everybody like at the hockey rink, like, Hey, I have this thing. You've got to listen to it. Or it was literally just SEO internet only. Internet only, you know, I'm not the guy that hands up business cards. I'm kind of introverted by nature. That's why I probably hide behind a microphone and don't do like YouTube and things like that. <laughs> so I, I figured that if I just got enough repetitions and people would find me online and I could, I could write for, um, you know, like help a reporter out or I would get to know reporters online and they would ask me for quotes on things. Um, so I just knew that if I stuck with the backlinking, they already have the, the traffic. I just need to funnel off a little piece of that uh, for my podcast and, and just be too stubborn to quit.
Okay. I, well, I love being too stubborn to quit. I think that consistency piece and, and doing it when no one's listening and still continuing and pressing forward anyway. So how long did it take for you to start getting like real downloads for each episode? Well, real downloads is interesting because context matters, right? Right. So, so if I'm at, at uh, 50 or 60,000 downloads a month now, I would have never imagined that at 25,000, I would never imagine that at 10 or five or even 200. I think the average show, it's about 150 downloads per episode. So the first time I had hundred downloads an episode, I thought, well, I've got it made, you know, I'm going to have prospects lined up around the block, but just by constantly iterating and, and trying to improve my craft uh, over and over. That's how we got, um, yeah, now we're, we're among the top retirement shows on earth. Yeah. Okay. And so when did like clients start calling you? We're like, when did it really turn from a idea and this potential source to truly a lead magnet that people just were calling in your office? Like what, give me like a time frame. Like, okay, I started here and then I really started to see like one or two trickle in. This is when it kind of went up from there. And then this is when we got to the point where I was like, holy crap all of our leads are coming in from the podcast. Yeah. So it, it started to happen. I mean, it took a few years. I probably could have done it quicker, but I had a a great mentor. His name was Roger Whitney. He's, he's got probably the biggest retirement podcast of the retirement answer man. And he gave me some great wisdom early on in my podcasting career. And he said, what you're doing is you're trying to grow an orchard. You really need to focus on nurturing your trees. Don't har- worry so much about the harvest. If you worry about the harvest, you can have like one or two trees. But if you really focus on growing the orchard, when it comes time to harvest, if you've put enough work into growing the trees, multiple trees, you'll never be able to harvest all the fruit. And so I did that. I, I just gave it all away for free and I didn't do calls to action for, for years. Uh, and then when I finally started to kind of trickle in the occasional, like once or twice a year call to action, that's when people start to fill up my calendar. And, uh, and that's when we sort of started to not do hourly planning, not do fee for service planning, you know, 500,000 minimum, $1 million minimum, $2 million minimum raise fees. Like we've been constantly narrowing, narrowing, narrowing our focus um, around, you know, the basic avatar client that everybody talks about. Um, and yeah, now we all do a three minute episode about uh, a call to action. We'll have 15 prospects uh, sign up and we'll probably, you know, have five or six clients and we'll do that once or twice a year, 10, 15 clients a year. And that's great. Okay. And how long have you, when did you start your podcast? Uh, fall of 2015. Fall of 2015. Okay. So I heard you say three minute episodes. How long did you, when you first started, I think you said 20 minutes, how, how long and how frequently were you, um, podcasting? Like how many episodes a week? Yeah. So, so the three minute is just my call to action. I do a special okay. call to action at the end of the year when I tell this fried egg story, which I'm happy to tell. I mean, anyone's free to copy because I, I learned it from a coach, uh, John Barron, if you're ever curious about, about what coaches I'm using. But I started out, I mean, I've made every mistake that you can make in podcasting, but I started out right thought I'd do like a 40 minute show just because other shows that I followed was about a 40 minute. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, one, I don't know if I'm smart enough to talk for 40 minutes. And two, I'm picturing my avatar client listening to this on the commute. And my commute was about 20 minutes. And we, you know, we're, we're kind of a Netflix culture, right? Friends, the office has about 20 minutes. I said, I figured the average attention span is 20 minutes, including my own. Uh, so I'll just actually do 20 minutes. And then I would do maybe two episodes a month, uh, but they, would, they wouldn't they would be the right, you know, they would be uh, infrequent. And then I would do, okay, I'm going to do the first and 15th. One of my other podcasts is still on the first and 15th of the month, just like payday. So it makes a good 
for a financial podcast. And then I said, you know, I bet my average person listening on their commute um, is counting how many Mondays until they retire. So why don't I do Monday morning show, uh, 20 minutes average drive time. And that, that's how we arrived on, on every Monday. So I've probably been doing every Monday since like 2018, 2019, something like that. Okay. Okay. So, well, you mentioned the fried egg story. So now I have to, I have like, I can't wait. Otherwise I will forget. So now I need to know what is your fried egg story and how does that turn into a call to action? Okay. So I practice it. I've done it twice uh, on the show, but I practice it ahead of time and I pick my best take. But basically in a, in a retirement podcast, we're all about education. We want to give all the education away for free. But in reality, action is more important than education. And so what I do is I tell the fried egg story. I say, if I wake up in the morning and I want a fried egg, I could attempt the knowledge route, right? I could, I could go down to the local library and I could check out a book on eggs and I could learn the molecular structure of eggs. I could buy a whole bunch of eggs and fill up my fridge. Uh, but it, really the knowledge isn't what gets me there. It's the action that gets me there. It's not until I walk to the egg, walk to the fridge, grab a frying pan, crack the egg. So it's not the knowledge about eggs that gets me what I want. It's the action that gets me what I want. And an example of that action is to book a 20 minute call with me and I can help you make your retirement even better. And that's uh, my three minute uh, call to action. Again, I practice. It probably sounds a little bit better on the show, but uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's been good. That's, that's brought in at least 50, $60 million in assets. Unbelievable. Okay. I love that. All right. So what system, so obviously you started out very infrequent. So I, I just want to kind of make sure I'm unpacking this for people listening that you start off crappy and slow, and then you figure out what works and then you get more frequency, the consistency, as long as you're doing it consistently, but then you're increasing the frequency, you're um, improving the quality of content. So in the beginning, before you have, so like, I know I look at downloads and say like, okay, what kind of episodes did the best? Was it solo? Was it an interview? Were we giving away um, a worksheet or a template? Where like, what, like, what are some of the attributes of our best performing episodes? So, but until you have those numbers, how in the early stages, how did you determine like, these are good topics, these will resonate. This is what I should focus my energy on. Yeah. So I, there's a couple different ways to approach that. One, I didn't, even before I had downloads to kind of look at what episodes did better than others, I, I was trying to look at what am I really trying to accomplish? And at the end of the day, as a financial advisor, you're trying to, to build rapport with someone and they're going to give you their life savings. So you have to build trust and you have to build intimacy. And to me, I said, well, I'm not going to be able to do that as well with an interview. You know, an interview is really about the guest and the knowledge that they have that would be a valuable to your listener. You're sort of bridging that information gap. And I thought that's hard for me to really build intimate intimacy with an audience if I have this other person and it's a different other person every time. So I, I still to this day, I very infrequently do interviews for that, for that reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so and the, solo episodes, and then you were pulling that information from what, like the typical questions that your clients tended to ask you or what, where were you gaining your inspiration for episode ideas? Cause I know that's like a big hesitation for a lot of advisors who are like, okay, well, like, where do I start? Which is funny. Cause we talk about this stuff all day, every day. We know exactly what our clients want to know and what they need, but how did you start to like arrange your content? Excellent question. So we're really in the answers business. Our clients ask us answers, uh, questions all the time that we provide answers for, but you really have to train your brain to hear content. You know, when your clients ask you a question, that's content. And so we have to train our brain to hear content, but then we also have to sort of rank those topics that they give us with like an order of intensity. 
uh, if like if you hear a question 25 times versus one time, you need to respond accordingly with the kind of energy that you're bringing. So I had this 5, 10, 15 rule. I'd write down every question that clients would, would ask. And if I heard a question five times, I knew that would be a new podcast episode. If I heard a question 10 times, I knew that that's going to be a new lead magnet for my website because I need to match that intensity with the frequency of the question. And then if I heard a question 15 times, I knew that there was enough uh, urgency that I could create a webinar around that topic and I could potentially bring new people in from outside the fold. So 5, 10, 15 is how I train my brain to, to hear content for my clients. Okay, fascinating. So you were creating a link in your content between what you were putting on the podcast, what you were doing as a lead magnet. Um, explain the lead magnet really quickly for, so I know same thing. I'll have advisors go, what's a lead magnet? What, what is a lead magnet? So a lead magnet is just a little piece of value that you give in exchange for something else. So financial advisors, we think about a product sale or, or assets or things like that. That's the only thing we have to sell. Well, in reality, we can also sell the idea that we're going to market to them later. And so how, what you do is you gather their email address and you do that in exchange for something else. And then of course you have to exceed their expectations. So we've had a couple of different lead magnets over time. In fact, one of my website right now is the first one we ever did back in like 2015, the retire ready toolkit. But, um, <clears throat> but, uh, uh, so it, so you have to give them free download, PDF, ebook, something like that in exchange for their email address. That's what a lead magnet is. And then you can market to them in the future through your newsletter. Perfect. And then you tie in a webinar topic to the most highly, most anticipated or most frequently asked questions. Okay. I love that. And you mentioned earlier that you started in your, you know, at your kitchen table, and then you moved to your new fancy location, which was your car. And then you ultimately moved to the closet, or maybe there was an in-between. I started in my closet. That was my new, my first starting place. Um, and then now you have a big fancy office. So I just want to make sure I'm calling that out for advisors who are thinking about getting started. My, one of my favorite sayings is just do it messy and make it fancy later. Um, so I love that you kind of shared that progression where I think sometimes people let that perfectionism get in the way, like, okay, I have to have a ring light in the setup and it has to be available on YouTube and it has to be an audio version and I need to hire a company and I need to get, um, like a promoter and I'm like, I have to do all of this stuff. And it's like really, really overwhelming and a barrier for people. So thank you for kind of sharing the, the journey along the way. Um, so podcasting, what was really surprising to me about when I started is it's a lot of work. Like it's more work than I think most people anticipate in the beginning, especially when you're starting off and you're doing the vast majority of the tasks yourself. What are some of the ways that you have been able to create, whether it's like a system or a process or a way for yourself to be able to deliver that content consistently? So yeah, in the beginning, I did absolutely everything myself, uh, editing, creating the show notes, creating the blog post, creating the image, you know, pressing record, researching content, you know, every, everything myself. But I, a few years ago, I read Who Not How uh, by Ben Hardy, Dan Sullivan. Actually, Ben Hardy is my, my coach now uh, for the last year or so. And uh, just trying to really figure out what my unique ability is. And I think my unique ability is taking com um, complex concepts and explaining them in a, in a, in a way that the, the layman can understand. Um, so I want to have all my focus on that. So everything that's not that is I, someone else needs to do. That's their unique ability. And so I have a pre-production team now and a post-production team. It, it, it's expensive. It costs about $3,000 a month, give or take. Mm -hmm. And so I'll have an, I'll have an idea. I'll come across an article 
And I'll say, okay, I want to talk about this in my retirement headline segment. And so I'll get that to the pre-production team and they'll make an executive summary, uh, sort of like Michael Kitsis does executive summaries on his, his articles. And so I'll have them write that in my, in my tone, in my, my voice. And then uh, I will have listener questions. So we survey our audience every year uh, through our, our summer listener survey, and I'll get two, 300 questions from that. So I paid a guy on Upwork to make a giant spreadsheet. And then every time I hit refresh, it gives me a random question. That's why I often, often find those. And then now we do a personal development segment where listeners submit an audio, audio clip of, of their investing in their retirement in non-financial ways. And so I piece all those together. Then we have a, I have a post-production team that handles the editing and the making me sound fantastic and all that stuff. So literally all I do now is press record and put that file in my Google Drive. So, I mean, that's, you know, whatever we are, six, seven, eight years in, but now I just press record and that's it. So do you have, I, I'm, I'm imagining that you're not like, oh, I have an idea. And you go run into your recording studio and hit record. Do you have like set days, times, or do you really wait until kind of a creative moment hits you? No, no, I don't do that. I have six kids. So, uh, so they, <laughs> they, they get all my creative moments. Uh, up until last year. So I'm always trying to improve on, on myself and improve on what I'm working on. So Steve Stewart uh, is the editor of the podcast and he likes to have it Tuesday nights for the following Monday to, to publish. And so uh, there's this thing called Parkinson's law that says a task will expand to fill whatever space you give it. So when was I recording every episode? Tuesday night in my car outside the kids hockey practice, right? It's just, you know, if someone gives you a deadline, you turn it in five minutes before, right? Uh, but I wanted to get ahead of myself significantly this year. So I made a content calendar. I'm recording all my listener question segments with my new lead financial advisor, Brett. Um, so we'll, he and I will batch record five, six, seven listener questions at a time. And then I'll batch record my, uh, my, my retirement headlines and then my intro and outro uh, ahead of time. So I'm trying to be uh, several weeks ahead of myself this year and, and with, with good success. So now when I, when I have, I mean, I've created, I'm an entrepreneur, right? I, I'm chasing shiny objects. I have hundred ideas a minute, <laughs> but now any gap I have in my calendar, I can just put podcast recording time on there. I've got six, uh, six episodes scripted out, uh, retirement headlines. I've got six or seven listener questions scripted out. And I just mix and match those on my giant Google sheet to see what fits together. And then I could record, you know, two, three, four, five, six episodes at a time. Fabulous. And then what is the current length of your episodes now? Like what's kind of an average length? 20 minutes 20 minutes for both of my shows. Okay. Yep. Fantastic. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you. I am definitely going to drop the, um, who, not how that's an amazing book. I'm going to drop the link for that in the show notes and everything else that you, that you mentioned. I'd love for you just as we wrap up here to share, how has the podcast changed your business? Like if you really reflect back and think like, what would my business have been like if I hadn't done this podcast and I had done something else instead versus, um, gosh, I didn't let the fear of there already being other podcasts out there that are on retirement, How, you know, is the market saturated? I know everyone asks like, oh, it's already saturated. There's so many podcasts out there already. Um, and not letting all of that noise get in the way for you. How did it truly change your business? I can I can hardly describe how it changed my business, which I I talk for a living, so it's difficult to believe. But when you sit down, either in person or over a Zoom call with someone that's listened to a hundred episodes of your podcast, I can't over overstate enough. They can literally finish your sentences. So the first time this happened to me was uh, was someone that was just happened to be a few towns over. They happened to be geographically close, so they were in my conference room. Uh, generally, they're not 
because you know North Dakota were sort of out in the boonies. But she said, I, I want to buy a house in Colorado because I want to be close to my daughter who, who lives there. And I said, oh, we help clients do that all the time. And what we recommend is, and you could have picked my job off of the conference room table as she finished my sentences. She said, oh yeah, you recommend we rent for six months in any town before we buy. And we're going to do that because we've listened to a lot of episodes of your podcast. And I thought, I'm never meeting with a prospect that hasn't listened to my podcast before because you work half as hard to go twice as far. They already know how you feel about planning topics. And unless there's some kind of sadist, they're not going to pick up the phone and call you if they disagree with you. They already agree with you. So really, it's just about you know, making sure that uh, your your office isn't in the back of a moving van with the engine running. They just want to kick the tires a little bit, make sure you are who you say you are, and they'll become your client. So, um, you know, you're, you're working half as hard to go twice as far. So I can't imagine my business without it. Uh, I'm sure I'd still be trying to get leads from the local accountant or the local estate planning attorney, like a lot of advisors do. I never had success with that uh, and, and would, wouldn't even want to try it. So yeah, thank God for podcasting. Fabulous. So what would be kind of your sage wisdom for any advisor who's sitting there going, I've been tinkering around with the idea. I think that would be really fun, you know, creating content. I'm kind of in a place, a lot of advisors that are asking this are kind of in this place where they're not bored, but they're just, they need something to kind of jazz up their business a little bit, or they need more leads. So what would you say to the advisor? That's kind of like, well, I maybe, maybe not. Uh, it's kind of saturated. Does it really work? And does it really work now? Cause that's great that Ben started his, you know, 2015, here we are in 2023. Would it, would it still work for me today? I think it will. Uh, I think, well, I started another podcast uh, last year and it's doing, it's doing great, but uh, oversaturation, I, I don't believe in oversaturation. You know, there's there, yeah, there's 2 million podcasts, but only like 600,000 of those are active, meaning that they've published an episode in the last 90 days. So there really aren't that many but don't quote me on the numbers. There's something like 100 million uh, blogs, 50 million YouTube channels, and 600,000 active podcasts. So could there at least be as many podcasts as YouTube channels? Uh, yeah, I think so. Could there at least be as many podcasts as blog posts? Hundreds of millions? Yeah, there definitely could be. So uh, I think we're still in the starting phases of, uh, of podcasting. I mean, these big Spotify deals were just a few years ago. Um, and of course, you know, venture capital, they're making investment decisions for decades into the future. So uh, so I think we're still on the on the cutting edge of of, of podcasting, but I think you got to do something. You know, I think the days of uh, I'm picking Libby as my financial advisor because her office is close to mine, or you know, she's just down the street from me. Geographically specific is how we used to pick our advisors. So those advisors, the local advisor, has to be a generalist. They have to meet with everyone and discuss every topic. But now with the internet, that I think those days are are fast fading. I think that you're going to pick your advisor based on their unique abilities and what your unique needs are. And so if you're in North Dakota and that perfect advisor is in Boise, Idaho, you're already used to meeting with people on Zoom. It doesn't matter to you at all where they are. So it's it's about niching down and it's about, ha- about having your unique ability. And so if you're going to find your financial advisor online, if there's three financial advisors that you're looking at and two have really nice looking websites, but one has 300 podcasts about the specific thing that you're interested in, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick the guy with 300 episodes of the thing that you're primarily interested in. And so as the geographic advantage fades, and maybe it's already nearly gone, that that content advantage is going to be there. So whether it's YouTube, blog, podcast, uh, whatever TikTok is going to be, I think everybody that wants to be found online is going to have to have content. So if not now, then when? They say the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The <laughs> second best time to plant a tree is yesterday. So let's plant uh. some trees. 
Yeah. I love that. And so I always tell people like there is somebody out there literally praying for the service that you provide in the way that you do it, which regardless of whether it's under the umbrella of like retirement planning, um, you still have a different delivery. And I think what's so interesting about podcasting is how, like, I know, (laughs) I know I had an experience where, um, I was talking to somebody else and I was like, Oh, this person that I know, and I had to stop myself. Cause I'm like, mm, okay, Libby, you don't actually know them. <laughs> you just think you're friends because you listen to their podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but it builds this relationship. And I think there's something about hearing somebody's voice and their inflections and their tone, and you can hear their authenticity. You can hear their expertise. You can, you know, they're not stumbling through it or reading from a script, right? You can hear that this is like a natural conversation that they're constantly having. So it's really part of the DNA of their, of their, you know, their person or their practice. So, well, thank you so much. I appreciate all of your wisdom and I hope that this is an encouragement to some of the advisors listening that have been kind of teetering on this idea of whether it's a blog or a podcast or a video show or whatever it is, um, just going ahead and taking that first step because it could ultimately turn you from a tiny local uh, financial planning practice in Bismarck, North Dakota into a global show, bringing in so many leads that you're having to hire like crazy to keep up with, with the capacity. So it's a big, big honor to have you here. And I'm really grateful. And I will make sure to drop links for your, all your shows and everything that you do out in the show notes. Absolutely. And, and Libby, you're forgetting that you are an incremental part of our new show. When we were brainstorming at XYPN, you helped us think of the tax wise retirement guide. Uh, and so we're going to launch that this summer. Uh, you know, the, the only thing better than having a boat is a friend with a boat, right? right. We are, we are, we are creating <laughs> where you can actually get clients from my podcast. If you are a member of retirement tax services and you become one of our tax wise retirement guides, we will send you uh, clients from my podcast. We simply can't handle, we don't have the capacity to handle, you know, we talk to 50, 60,000 people every month. And so if you're, if you're looking for clients uh, and don't want to start your own podcast, uh, hit your ride. Yes. Well, and I'm going to have Stephen on here soon. And we're going to talk about a bunch of the cool stuff that you guys are doing at RTS. Cause it's really fun. Well, that's exciting. I'm glad that one of my ideas was actually helpful and impactful. I, I have lots of them, not all of them pan out, but I'm, I'm really excited that you grabbed one and took and ran, ran with it. And well, this- in the military, we would call that accuracy by volume. Yeah. Accuracy is all that matters. The volume, nobody ever thinks about. <laughs> yeah. They only, they only count that at laser tag, right? Like I usually, I'm like sharp shooter. And then you look at my accuracy and it's like, you hit like 3% of the time because you just literally <laughs> held the trigger and walked around following your children. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for your service. Um, always, always appreciate someone who has that military experience and um, very grateful for that. Happy to be here. I'll come back anytime. Okay. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. So I wanted to just kind of highlight a couple of things that I heard throughout that conversation. I think the first thing is, and I didn't want to jump in too much on this one because I literally everything that came out of Ben's mouth, I'm like me too, bro. Um, but really what I heard a couple of themes, one, you've heard me say this before, but start messy, just do it and make it fancy later. Don't worry about having the right setup, the right blog format, the whatever, whatever, just do it 
get started and you can always come back and make it fancier instead of letting perfectionism get in the way of you actually moving forward, just pick something and move forward, do the thing. So, and I love how Ben talked about pivoting, right? So he started with blogging, um, and realized like, Oh, there's a different way of doing this. I'm not a great writer. Maybe I could apply these same tactics to a podcast. The other thing that I really heard from Ben in this episode was there's this undertone. And I think just knowing him and knowing who he is and how he operates, maybe I picked up on this a little bit more, or maybe I'm reading into it more, but Ben is a constant lifelong learner. He is one of those people who's always got a coach. Who's always in a mastermind. Who's always striving for more. Who's always open to new ideas and really developing as a human, uh, and as a business owner. So you know, reading books like who, not how by Dan Sullivan. Amazing. I'm going to link that in the show notes. There's another amazing book by Dan Sullivan that I'm going to link as well called the gap in the gain. This is a really great, um, a really great book as well. In fact, I'm rereading it right now. So when he mentioned who, not how I'm like, shoot, I'm gonna have to add that to my reread list. (laughs) So I heard, you know, start messy, make it fancy later. I heard, you know, just ongoing development development and trying to grow and be better and actually tracking things and going back and looking and saying, okay, what's working, what's not working. And of course the idea of consistency. So whatever you're doing, continuing to do it day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, whatever your cadence is and not putting a blinder onto results, right? But it's that constant effort pushed in the same direction. So, you know, if you've read, um, slight edge, but, uh, yeah, slight edge by Jeff Olson. Um, he references, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of it anyway. Um, oh, good to great. I can't believe I blanked on that. Good to great. Um, he references this idea of a flywheel, like this big, heavy flywheel on a horizontal axis that you can apply so much momentum and push and push and push and feel like you're barely moving it an inch. And yet, if you continue to push and apply momentum in the same direction, it's not the first push that gets the flywheel going. It's not the second push. It's not the third push. It's not the hundredth push. It is literally the combination of all of that effort in the same direction that ultimately gets that flywheel to move. And once the flywheel starts to take off and that momentum kicks in, you just have to keep consistently applying pressure in the same direction to keep it moving. And it's so much easier once you get it started. So I want you to kind of think about the flywheel whenever you're thinking about building your brand or doing something like a YouTube or a podcast or blogging, or maybe you've tried to create a couple of videos and put them out on your Facebook page, whatever you're doing, commit to a period of time and commit to being consistent. If you can honestly say that you were committed to it and it was consistent and it's not working great pivot. But for most of us, we struggle with the idea of consistency. So of course me systems processes lady, I'm thinking, okay, like here's how I created a content calendar and here's how I organize my life so that the podcast doesn't take over my life, right? Here's how I batch tasks. Um, here's who I've hired. Here's who I haven't hired yet. And all of this to say, you know, consistency, just getting it started, get momentum going in a specific direction and just keep showing up and keep showing up in a way that you are trying to be better and better 
each and every time. So I hope this was a helpful episode to those of you out there who are really trying to figure out how to build your personal brand as a financial advisor in a space where it feels like there's a thousand financial advisors doing the same thing. I hope the results that Ben has you know, shared from his podcast are inspiring to you, or at least motivating to you to go ahead and do it. The first is always the worst. So once you record it, once you write it, it can't go down from there. <laughs> awesome. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I'd love to connect with you out in the efficient advisor community over on Facebook. And don't forget to check out the efficientadvisor.com. There are tons and tons of free tools and resources out there for you guys. So downloads, templates, videos, um, just all kinds of goodies. So make sure you check out the website and I will see you guys in the efficient advisor community. And of course I hang out on LinkedIn as well. So if we're not connected on LinkedIn, please, please, please connect with me. And if this podcast has been in any way, shape or form, a help to you in your business, I'd love it. If you'd leave a review on iTunes, thanks so much. Hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. Thank you.